Welcome to Post-Credit Conversations, a movie podcast where we believe that a film is only as good as the discussion it inspires. My name is Kale Prindle. And I'm Slade Lane. You're always eating. Every time. You, you know it. Oh, man. I specifically did this because tradition. So Because tradition. <laughs> <laughs> well, that works out. How you doing, Slade? You know, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> oh, how um, rude of me to ask you when your mouth is full while we're recording a podcast. That's why I thought. No, I am doing <laughs> fairly well. Um, little less knee surgery since the last time we talked. I can walk yeah. pretty well, but it is tiring. So, um, otherwise, very good. Very good. Hooray. And you? Doing all right. My arm is a lot less broken than it was before. Um, I can move it around and do most things with it, though that's good and bad because now I kind of forget that it's hurt at all, and then I accidentally do a thing that makes it much more hurty than than before. So that's that part's not great. That is that is not good at all. Yep. Um, yeah, it sucks breaking things, especially yeah, it's not lit- fun. Uh, especially little things because it's like. You tell people, like, yeah, I broke it, but not really. You know, I keep thinking about this because but I it have hurts. to go back to work. It hurts really it bad. Does. Yes. <laughs> I have to go back to work next week. So do you. And mm-hmm. I'm just, I know one of the days we're there, we're going to do like a first aid training again, which means I'm going to have to practice CPR on some dummy. And they're going to be like, lock your arms, really slam on this thing. I'm like, well, thing is, I, I broke my arm. I mean, it's not really broken, broken, but it still, it hurts real bad. You know, and it's like I'm not looking forward to that. that so when moment. you just tell them you broke it, <laughs> I know. I went to a that meeting yesterday, thing. and they were like, "Stand up if you agree with this, or sit down." I'm like, sat down the whole time, just like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not standing up. <laughs> right, got got too much going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, otherwise, around here, um, I've been watching a pretty good run of bad movies, but I've been enjoying myself. I have watched <laughs> since our last recording. Four Resident Evil movies, um, and at least one more in the Underworld franchise. I almost watched another one today, but I was feeling sleepy, so I didn't do it. A <laughs> um, lot of lot of movies from around the same time, all of them with really bad filmmaking moments, but there's something about those 2000 action horror whatever that are just like, they're, they're, the, right, they're the right kind of silly for me. Um, even though they all kind of range in that two and two and a half star range, I'm like, I'm having a good time. There are movies you can put on and just enjoy, you know? Yeah. Um, and it is, it's, uh, indicative of an era that early to mid two thousands where it's just like, these aren't great, but man, yeah. I don't mind watching them ever. Right. <laughs> so. And I think this might be my answer now when people are just like, Hey, do you have any, like, guilty pleasures? Because I never know how to answer that question. And I think maybe just now I figure, I'm like, my guilty pleasures are watching weird, bad, sort of horror, but never scary movies from the early to (laughs) mid-2000s where everything is colored a weird bluish green and, yeah, and has, like, you know, trying way too hard to be cool with its music. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, it's, it's a fun time. It's a fun Sounds time. great. Yep. It's pretty great. Yeah. It's a big departure from what we're about to start talking about. So let's go ahead and segue into that. And we'll talk about how this week's movie might be a little bit different than Resident Evil <laughs> or Underworld. 
I'm there. There's some. There's some small differences. I think we'll notice. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I'm Maybe. not gonna pun it up every time. I'm just trying to find a way to get this thing started. Let's get to the good stuff. Oh goodness, Slade. When you're done drinking. What? It's like, you didn't even finish know. your question. I have plenty of time to drink. All right. Slade, tell us about the movie we watched this right. week. I will. I would love to. Um, this week we watched <coughs> Sword of Trust, a movie from 2019. It is a comedy um, written in part by Lynn Shelton. I believe it is her last movie, who... Uh, she was partners with the lead actor, Mark Marin before she tragically passed away this last year. Very sad, but moving on, Sword of Trust tells the story of Mel and Nathaniel, uh, two pawn store employees, Mel owns the store, as they go around doing what pawn stars, pawn, uh, pawn, pawn people do, um, which is sitting around all day acting like they know a lot about stuff but really they're just kind of ripping you off very subtly not meanly just to pass the time um <clears throat> during this mary and cynthia are a couple who uh who is it cynthia yeah cynthia's grandfather has just died and instead of inheriting his house as they had hoped they are left with only an old antique Civil War Union sword, uh, along with a letter and some authenticating papers, which, as it turns out, make some wild claims that the South, in fact, won the Civil War with a uh, photograph of its day or a drawing uh, of General Sherman or Sheridan, we don't quite know, and neither do they, uh, surrendering to robert e lee they try and pawn that at mel's store mel sloughs them off but upon a quick internet search by nathaniel they find out they can make a ton of money off this sword that really isn't worth a ton of money on a bs story uh so they hatch a plot with cynthia and mary to sell the sword for a lot of cash and get entangled with some southern pro-southern rebels uh secessionist uh borderline racist people not too heavy on the racism in this movie thank goodness um and some some hilariousness ensues i think but grant that is like 45 minutes of the movie of this hour and a half movie so <laughs> there we go all right let's jump in <laughs> Uh, so what were I, your I was... initial thoughts, Gail? Or just <laughs> well, say whatever initial... you were going to Well, no, my initial thoughts. Like, So when you mentioned this last time, and I'm like, I don't know anything about this movie. And I, I checked real quick on uh, Netflix where it's streaming. And I just thought, oh, Mark Maron, which makes sense. I know you are uh, not just a fan of him. You're a fan, I've noticed, of like comedians who just do good acting work. Like comedians who get out of the comedy space and try to do something different, you seem to like, yeah, I'm into that. You know, our first, I, our first yeah. two movies that we ever recorded on, only one of which has been released, was The Big Sick, which was my choice, uh -huh. and Don't Think Twice, which was yes, both of which are 
written by <coughs> comedians who are writing films that are yes funny but definitely more um, more serious more thoughtful yeah they're a lot more th- serious and thoughtful so uh, so as soon as I saw Mark Marin I said oh okay well this will be interesting and I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of him per se like yeah I don't know his comedy as well his podcast I would probably like more if he didn't have 20 minute introductions. Which is um, what I love to... about it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> uh, but, so this movie. Um, the first thing I noticed then um, is, of course, that this is a very, very indie movie. Yes. From the color schemes to the characters to the setting to everything. Yeah. Um, everything is brown. <laughs> in this pawn shop, in the wardrobes. Um <coughs> Yeah. And, but what I like about that, of course, is like indie movies do often bring up types of plots and, and, and subject matter that you just don't get anywhere else. So a movie that centers around a Civil War saber that is supposedly supposed to prove that the South actually won the Civil War, which, by the way, this movie takes place in northern Alabama yeah. and Tennessee. So that's why that's a big deal as well. I'm like, that's such a... The concept of this is fascinating. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's where I'll start. Nice. Um, yeah, the indiness of this movie, which I... I <laughs> a fair, fair thing is, I watched this before I chose it. That's partially why I chose it. Uh, but okay. I did watch it again, because I was like, okay, I think I'm going to choose this for the next movie. It was close to our last recording. And then I saw it when it came out. Like, I rented it. And I was I was very excited because it had a lot of buzz about it. Uh, very well received. And then I watched it, and I was not very floored with it mm-hmm. <laughs> overall. Um, but, you know, it is an indie movie. It's IFC Films. I mean, I've yet to find the actual budget for this movie. Um, yeah, it, I didn't see it, anything on that did, online either. No, no, it, it didn't earn a whole lot. It, like, just a little over $300,000. But Lynn Shelton, who directed it, um, kind of the connection there to Mark Marin because she had a connection to him because she... I can't remember if she directed some of the episodes of his show, which were on IFC mm-hmm. for four seasons. She did. She did. Uh, but even bigger than that, she directed... Uh, a couple episodes of Glow, and yes. and has some other movies which I need to track down and watch um, because as I have understood it is you know she did a lot of these just indie movies really low budget you know and mm-hmm. used those other directing gigs gigs to kind of finance these movies which you know definitely have that indie spirit from everything the plot the characters. You know, it's just indie. It reminds me a lot of one of our earlier movies, Paddleton, of this year. Mm-hmm. We haven't revisited indie in a while. Um, right. And so, you know, there's just... There's there's something about indie movies that, you know, are a big departure from a lot of movies we've watched this year, I think. <laughs> well, yeah, like I said, a lot of it is just, like, in the types of plots that get covered. Yeah. Like, Paddleton... Again, it's like, it's just, (laughs) that's such a very different movie, a very good movie, but it's like, let's really focus in on, you know, one friend who 
is dying or will die and these two yeah. friends trying to find their way to, to like how to handle that um that just i think that what's happened is our blockbusters have gotten so big mm-hmm. and people have, i'm not the first to point this out but our blockbusters have gotten so big that <clears throat> even moderately high budget dramas or thrillers or anything they just don't happen hardly at all yeah. And if they do, you're almost never seeing them. I mean, like the Oscar season that is supposed to bring out those kinds of things is is it's still there, but it's not there the same way, right? There used to be slow times throughout the year where just like there were no blockbusters, so you might get films like this that would be releasing in like February yeah. or November or sometime. But now, most of <laughs> what Disney has been able to do is they've got a major movie coming up pretty much every month of the year. Yeah, um, they do. I mean, they had two come out in July. They, it's like, here's Black Widow and here's Jungle Cruise. Um, both in yeah. July, as we're, you know, people are <coughs> finally really, I mean, I know sometimes, for some people, theaters has been over for a long time, but nationwide, it's like, theaters, I feel, are still a very slow business right now, like, because they're still trying to pick up. And Disney's like, here's a couple of things right off the bat. And um, so these indie movies are fascinating because they are kind of a haven for these smaller stories which could be really really cool and interesting and explore some interesting ideas uh this movie definitely like i said the premise i think is great uh as a comedy it largely fails it's not very funny um it's it's interesting but (laughs) no it's not like it's like i I I disagree a little i know where we disagree Uh uh-huh and and i kind of figured you wouldn't think it's that funny i right I have enjoyed it. I enjoyed it so much more today when I watched it again. Like, I I don't yeah. know. It, it you know it it is kind of. It's not even Mark Marin in this movie because I'll, I'll save some of that stuff for later. But like, there, there's just little things that you know the things that are meant to be funny for me they land very well, and maybe it's right. more my comedic. Uh, inclination where i'm just like okay. oh, i think that is just really funny uh mm-hmm. you know um so that i well, figured I you I don't would, think it's very f- <laughs> that i figured you would not like you said you chuckled or or uh whatever you know i had a smirk on my then. face for a lot of it because i don't um, think it's drop dead funny and and we've talked about this with uh anything that's been a comedy that we've done is right <laughs> None of them have been really funny. Even when we talked uh, about Don't Think Twice, like that movie is funny-ish <laughs> itself, right. it, and it's a movie about improv comedy, and it's not that funny, <laughs> you know. Well, it's um, not super duper funny, but no. like that one has funny stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think when we did The Big Sick, I think The Big Sick is very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like we don't have some funny movies on here. I think that with this yeah. movie, Marin, the main thing I know of him is Glow. That's the main thing. Yeah. Um, which I love. I think Glow is a fantastic show. I think it's very good and interesting. Has some funny parts in it. Um, but, you know, Marin is sometimes funny in that show but he's mostly just a cranky old man yeah. which he plays perfectly yes like <laughs> and that's what he is in this movie too is he's just cranky like 
him yelling at Nathaniel. Nathaniel doesn't have funny lines, but my goodness, that guy's face is that's funny. His <laughs> yes. constantly slack jawed wonder at everything <laughs> is very funny. I love mm-hmm. that. Um, but Marin's, you know, they're back and forth with him of just like, hey, I know you got yeah. your earphones in, but it doesn't mean your mouth's not working. It's like, yeah. It, it, you just says, it's not well, not funny. It's just that I'm not going to laugh at that. Well, yeah. And, and, and again, that's more specific to his type of comedy. And, and you're not in that world as much as I am. Uh, that's fair. I, I love his specials, which, you, you know, is is he is the angry person. And that's yeah. kind of the funny thing is watching this angry dude work through <laughs> everything. Right. Um. And so, you know, if you're not a huge fan, those lines, I, I 100% agree, they're, they're not going to be that funny. Um, whereas Nathaniel is hilarious because he just has a look. Um, there are a couple of his lines that are funny just because of how true they are. Uh, near the end of the movie when him and Cynthia are... Sitting yeah. there and he's trying to explain flat earth. I, <laughs> I, I mean, as I've related some of my experiences to you this year, I've, I've, I've come across the flat earth crowd and it's just like, yeah, they nail it so perfect of like, oh yeah, but like his line of, but is it? And so right. he's like, yeah, no, it's, it's Ram, but is it, you know, and it's so, it, it's just so true that it's so funny. And, and he matches that kind of profile so well of just this blind ignorance <laughs> or bl- yeah, blind following. Think... It's not ignorance because he's a very well-researched <laughs> man. Um, but anyway. Right. So I, and that's what I think this movie does that well. I think it creates scenarios that are very mm-hmm. funny that are better than the lines themselves or any yes. specific joke. Like it's not a very jokey funny movie is no. maybe the better way no. to say it. Like honestly, there's, there's only one moment that like I actually laughed at and like that is just super funny and that's when Mary tries to attra- attack Hog Jaws with the sword toward the end. It's the funniest part of the whole movie. That's where she just slashes at funny. his shoulder yeah. and doesn't do anything. It's like that is really dull but it hurts and i'm like that is my favorite part of the whole movie but you're right the flat earth section is really funny because what nathaniel set up as from the very beginning is he's watching conspiracy theorists on youtube that's what the world he's in so when these women come in and say here's a story about this sword it actually helps prove that the south won the civil war and he's like oh man and you can see him just like eating it up like this is a new thing that's been covered up by the deep state shadow government yeah and so for him to get to the end and talking about flat earth which is you know one of the only things really in this movie it's like oh that's the thing we've all heard about for sure um that's a great entry point it's a great scene his diagram with the tennis ball and then putting a salad bowl over the top of it it's it's Um, so true to life it's scary yeah Uh, it's yeah i agree that's the part that works yeah that's the part that works the best and it's funny that that's your funniest moment in the movie because it is hilarious it is just so funny when she tries to whack a <laughs> hog hog jaw hog jaws hog jaws yeah mel great name mel <laughs> yeah see again i find that those moments fine but that is a very more traditional funny moment like it 
Yes, it is. If, if this Hitting movie someone with a sword come, and not hurting. Yeah. Well, yeah. if this movie had come out in, let's say, 2008, the movie would have been just those moments all the way through, and it also would have not been funny. Um, you know, because, like, it, it's the most dramatic, in-your-face, oh, that's really funny moment. Right. Um, which, which is a very, again, mid to late 2000s thing where you have so many comedies where it's just like, how how outrageous can we get where it's not they're not jokes <laughs> it, it's just right. visual and and this one saves it for that one moment and i think it works very well right. what what makes it really funny um because yes, if it had been doing yeah, that kind of thing before that moment it really would not have been all that funny um is my right you need it because it was take. a great it uh this is going to be a sword joke it cut the tension of that scene so well and uh but that is why it works you know it's like you finally have these moments where it's like oh i mean there's been a few moments of danger throughout this movie that the other two guys who come to the shop and want to buy the sword yeah who claim that it's their sword and they're gonna like stab someone with a screwdriver because that's apparently their weapon of choice throughout the whole movie um so there's like there's a little bit there they pull some guns or whatever but like you never get the sense that anyone's in trouble until the very end when Hogjaws comes in. He's like, I'm going to, you know, when he realizes that the guy who wanted to buy this sword to prove that the South won, his actual real life mission is, I'm trying to get this stuff out of people's hands so they stop all of this ridiculousness. So like that, you know, which I think is an interesting yeah. twist in this movie. It's like that they're the guy who they think is going to be like head racist head southern sympathizer is actually like no i think this whole thing is stupid i'm yeah. doing what i can to shut down so like when people say we have evidence they actually won't they they just it'd just be hearsay or whatever um oh and i'll <laughs> give you one more really funny part before i move on from comedy um two parts one okay when cynthia is trying to explain to mel the story that's funny to me yeah you know when she pulls out the painting it's like look we have a photo he's like that's that's a drawing it's like well they were like photos back then like that's funny as she's trying to because it kind of shows how ridiculous these conspiracy theories have to be to begin with but what was funnier than that is at the end (laughs) when the guys making fun of how grant look look, he's like wearing a dress and and (laughs) mel's like well i mean lee's wearing the same thing i think it's just, just 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 a jacket it's not a jacket just a stupid (laughs) painter painted it the wrong color it's a tablecloth and i'm like i love that kind of denial yeah um and then like when you find out he's kind of playing on it and it's not really what he cares about it it takes a little from that joke but those moments that that they're funny because they get to these deeper ideas of people's dedication to what they want to believe and how easy it is for them to dismiss the very obvious logical facts. Yes. Um, which is a nice transition to what I think really works in this movie. Um, which is that idea through, throughout it all. And, and you really only get it in a indie movie like this. Kind of like Paddleton, you know, is this kind of meditation on mortality and friendship and it's very focused i i think this one it's not near as focused because it is a more i think it has more comedy than paddleton um but this one you know it it is about trust 
you know, and it, it plays with that idea in so many ways that I think are are really cool. Um, I, I mean, just just the idea of Mel being a pawn person and, you know, the first person he's like, okay, hundred bucks. You're not screwing me. No, good price. You, you know, and then he comes out wearing the boots. You know, it's always playing with this idea of of how how to trust people or even the opening sequence of what Nathaniel was watching on his computer. And, and then mm-hmm. I, I finally noticed this time he has the flat earth on the back of his uh, iPad, which I'm just, just like, it's so well done, I think, all the way through. Um <clears throat> with that idea even if some of the comedy doesn't necessarily land you know every every kind of interaction is built on playing with this idea you know trusting that the sword is what it claims to be but it's totally not so we gotta make other people trust it um you know uh and like you said the people at the end uh goodness what's not hard jaws but uh i think on imdb King... they just called him kingpin or yeah, something or like King that pan or whatever yeah it, it, you know and to find out like you said there's that twist at the end it's like i don't believe any of this it's ridiculous y- right. you know um it's just a very interesting movie and, and i mean it, it's really fun because i got real excited uh, we were talking last night kind of about more of like what's going on around us now with covid Mm -hmm. and everything else and i'm just like oh i'm really excited to talk about this movie now um yeah because that's what the whole movie's about you know it's not so much about deep state or conspiracies it's just this idea of trust (laughs) so yeah and but Sort of, I guess. Uh, the idea of trust, I don't know how that plays out throughout the entire film. Like, there's different people that are trying to trust or they don't know if they can trust. But I, I feel like that doesn't come to, like, any significant meaning toward the end specifically. But there's definitely this idea of, you know, what we believe. Yeah, I guess can you trust your sources, I guess, could be part of it. But, yeah, I have, I similar to what you were thinking based on what we talked about last night. But also... Um, yeah, just our current environment. I'm like, oh, I love that this movie came out in 2019, I think yeah. it was. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it came an, out again, right before the pandemic, you know? Yeah. So, it's um, again one of those things where it's like, it would have, I wonder how I, it would have played for me watching it then versus mm-hmm. watching it now. Because watching it now, that is the most fascinating thing is from big things to small things, uh, the stories we tell ourselves usually to benefit ourselves usually you know the first guy selling the boots and the guitar he's like yeah it's an antique guitar and he's like yeah but it's not worth a lot it wasn't worth a lot then it's not worth a lot now yeah well i I thought for sure because it's an antique it's like that doesn't just because you want that to be true doesn't make it true you know and yeah he ends up wearing those cowboy boots uh which i guess is what you're talking about when you talk about like ripping people off maybe but that idea of just like that guy is so sure he's going to make money on this guitar. It's like, no, it was a cheap guitar. Yeah. doesn't matter that it's old. Um, it kind of reminds me of, you know, Tom Hanks, weird factoid that just popped in my head. <laughs> Tom Hanks loves old typewriters. This is a yeah. thing that he likes, antique typewriters. And this kind of got out and he was, I remember hearing a story once um, in an interview 
where he's like, you know, some people get really disappointed because they find out I like antique typewriters, so they call me up and they say I've got an antique typewriter and they're really hoping I'll drop like a ton of money. And he's like, I had this woman who was really upset with me because I I checked it out, I looked at it, and I saw how much it was worth, and I offered her, you know, however many dollars it was, and she she still sold it, I think, but she was so annoyed that he's like, yeah, I'll give you like 150 bucks for it. And she was hoping for like several thousand, right? Yeah. So there's something that people just build into the story because they want it to be real. Well, um, well yeah. It, well, I mean, because that's what happens when uh, Mary and Cynthia first bring the sword, right? It's like, here's the yeah. sword. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, I've seen these before, whatever. Uh, 400 bucks. Oh, that's a good starting place. But uh, you haven't heard the story. Right. Uh and it's like, a story I, I, that makes it valuable. It yeah. boosts. And he's in just their like, I don't think I worth. need to hear the story, you know, because right. he already knows. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, it is playing with that idea. It doesn't reach a conclusion. I would agree with that. There's no hard conclusion about trust or facts or sources or any of this. It's just that is the motivating thing i think for each of these characters in some way whether it's ridiculous or or more more deep yeah so yeah because i think it continues on i mean when Hogjaw shows up and he's you know being very serious about you know i'm checking out the sword you didn't touch it with your fingers you know he's treating this this antique sword with such reverence because he's the guy who does believe that the South won the Civil War. like And, and so when Cynthia is telling him the story of the sword, he's so yeah. excited, even though she's still terrible at telling the story, but the fact that she still lands on and the South wins the Civil War, he's like, that's right. Like he's ready to accept her story, even though it doesn't check out, even yeah. though she's terrible at telling it because he just wants to hear what he wants to hear. Well, yeah. And, and well, yeah, no, I, I, I think that's, yeah, all, all of these characters have something going for them with what they want to trust. Like, Cynthia and Nathaniel want to believe in things. They, they are dreamers, right? Like, Cynthia just has these dreams like ghosts. Well, yeah, but then she has a lie. Nathaniel is just gullible <laughs> and trusts anything. Mary, it, not so much. It, it, and, you know, Mel is, is his thing with Deidre, which is... You know, right. I don't know if I should try trusting this person again at right. all. And and then you have the more main plot. But what's more important throughout it all is those four's relationship to trusting and what they're trusting and how they're going to trust it and whether or not they should, you know, because um, <laughs> Nathaniel probably shouldn't trust everything on the Internet. Cynthia uh is just so immediately ready to kind of trust everything on feeling um and and mel is unsure he's unsure of of that relationship which yeah yeah i think the stuff with deirdre is strange in this movie i was trying to figure out how it fit with everything else i know when she first comes in the pawn shop you know, and you can tell, like, okay, there's some kind of connection, some kind of relationship. He's not going to interact with her, not going to loan her any money. He So, and we, of course, wait a while till we find out the rest of that story. What's strange to me, though, is kind of where it, you know, when they're in the back of that van and headed mm-hmm. off to Tennessee, and they don't know where they're going, and they ask 
him about, you know, who is she and, and what's your story there? And he tells the whole story like, you know, we were young and we did a bunch of drugs and I had to get out. But then she followed me down to Alabama and she's still around. And then Cynthia's response, like, so did you tell her you love her? And to me, that stuck out in a weird way because, like, I was <laughs> I was listening to the story. I don't see that connection. I loved his response. I thought his response was great. I just think it was a little bit of a clumsy step in the writing to just be like the character saying like, oh, so did you tell her you love her? Because it's obvious you love her. Because I'm like, I saw nothing in that story that showed mm. that. Now, his response, golden. I loved it. Which is, mm -hmm. I can't take the chance to say that I love her because it might cost me too much. I think that his whole thing there, perfect, brilliant. Um, you know, when Jimmy comes in and, and talks to him, about, like everyone who talks to him about Deirdre, I like the conversations. I yeah. thought there was a little bit of a weird bump trying to get him into that confession mode. And at first I was like, why is he even confessing to them? But I'm like, well, they are in a carpeted weird van being drugged up to yeah. the middle of nowhere. So maybe it's as simple as... Why not? Well, I got nothing else going on. He, well, and that's what he says in the van, right? Is Does he? I don't remember. No, <laughs> Already forgotten. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, because he does. He explains that idea of, you know, maybe that's why I'm doing this is to feel mm -hmm. <clears throat> these kind yeah. of excitements again. Like, he says that in the van. And so... It is worth a second watch, I think, because I, I missed a ton of the dialogue. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> just in a first watch. Uh, it's clunky-ish. Um, I don't think it's enough to fault it. Some of the dialogue, because it, it's just indie. It's indie dialogue where it's just like, I gotta get you here, and we have ten days to shoot this movie. <laughs> um like like really you know and so yeah. like i agree the the well did you tell her you love her line like could it be more fleshed out yes does it need to be no i i think it i think yeah. there's enough to infer that that's how mel feels in the fact that she came down she did interact with him we we have enough scenes where it's just like okay there there's this character is contemplating this person quite a bit um and, and there's just subtle visual things uh because his ring is the same ring as hers yeah. or same style you, you know so it's all these things that i think work out and you know low budget so it's like uh, it another, I, another 15 minutes and $50,000 just isn't going to work. <laughs> Fair enough. Maybe. Um, I mean, as far as the dialogue, though, goes, because you mentioned that, I think most of the dialogue in this movie is great. I mean, that's what makes it feel indie. Yeah. And when I said earlier that it's not funny, it's, it's certainly not that I think that it's not interesting. It is interesting. Yeah. I was entertained. Yeah. And it, it honestly felt just like, yeah, like a lot of indie movies, this is how people talk. And it means it takes them a while to get where they're trying to go. Um, so it meanders a bit from here to there. Because when you look at, like, what happens in this movie, like, first off, the runtime is less than 90 minutes. Like, it's a yeah. real short movie uh, when you take the credits out, especially. And then, but all that happens, it's like, okay, so these women get this sword. They take it to a local pawn shop, try to sell it for a lot of money uh, because they have this wild story attached to it. The guy doesn't want to. 
until he finds out that people are willing to pay up to $50,000 for such things, tries to con him a little bit, but then they call up the guys. The guy shows up, hauls them off to Tennessee so they can sell this thing for a ton of money, and the guy gives them... No, doesn't give them the money because at the last minute, it's another thing that felt very unearned, by the way, when they're like, (laughs) yeah, take the money, and then all of a sudden Cynthia can't hand over the sword. Her like, I just realized it's all I have of him. Okay. Yeah. That just just now occurred to you? <laughs> you know, it's like, I, and I don't know what that's all about either. I felt like that was way out of yeah. left field. Um, and I feel Andy. like he could have. That, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's a good enough excuse or not. But um, <clears throat> maybe. Like, that could have just been a, a script thing, though. Because you could have had those kind of conversations in the car, in the van on the way there, too. Like, so... This is your grandfather's? Yeah, actually. And then it's like she could have had a, a meditative moment talking about who he was. And then that struggle of like, but then, because at first when she finds the sword and she's reading the document, she's like, I don't want this. She's like, I yeah. do not want to have a sword and documents that seem to prove that the South won the Civil War. That's really problematic. It's got a lot of issues. It's not true. I don't want to keep this around. This is crazy. Cool. Giving us any indication from that moment to the last five minutes of the movie that she has any relationship with her grandfather would have been nice. And I think that's a script issue that makes that last moment feel really weird. Really weird. And another part where I think we're supposed to laugh and it's not funny. Of her almost giving the sword and then no. And then almost the no. It is funny, but whatever. No. You you have comedy issues. Uh (laughs) I do have comedy issues. I have a high... I have high comedy standards. Do you, though? I think so. I'm not again going to Bill and Ted here. Um, <laughs> though I, I think your reasons aren't <laughs> comedy for that one, and that's why. <laughs> that movie was delightful, not because delightful, it was Delightful, not four stars delightful. <laughs> yeah, it was. I almost watched Bill and Ted face the music today, but I didn't. I thought about watching weekend. that the other day, too. I... I I agree with you. Uh, it's it's not laugh out loud funny. It's it's not unfunny, but it's not laugh out loud funny. I, again, I right. I think. Well, we talked comedy already, but um, and it it's a weird choice. I think it's an indie movie choice, like any of these movies, especially IFC, like like truly indie movies. Because I mean. We talked about the idea of, or even the Oscars, I guess, because like there's Disney and mm-hmm. everything owned by Disney, which it's like here we go, we sank uh, uh, the money of a small country into this movie uh, that, quite honestly, isn't that great. Uh, <laughs> in in terms of if you think in terms of how much money that is, and they and that's what they make. It's like. Okay, it is entertaining, but, um, but, but this is indie, like true indie. And what I mean by that is like when we talk about what comes out at Oscar season and what actually wins Oscars, right? That's giant budget compared to right. movies like of, this, you know? Yes, I agree. Because, the prestige because, films are very expensive still, uh, they are, and like they, like, yeah, they're low budget and it's it's 40 days to shoot and no one gets money off of it, whatever. But, you know, 
not not like this um like right at all you know a, a ladybird a, a black swan uh i mean the revenant is a almost quote-unquote indie movie right by those standards or birdman and it's just like uh, not compared to this handheld right. you know three locations maybe you know there's no sets in this there's no right <laughs> you, pawn you know, shop kitchen table back of yeah. the van and the farm that's exactly it. exactly i i mean and so it allows this movie to really focus in on one thing it, and because like seeing this now probably three times and two times recently you know it trying to nail down what it is that makes it so weird and like the script change it's just something that indie movies do where it's just like some of these directors you know lynn shelton doesn't fall too much into this because she has done mo- multiple movies or did multiple multiple <clears throat> movies where it's just like it it's almost like a like a good comparison would be like Kevin Smith, where it's just like Clerks, mm-hmm. more than likely was going to be the only movie he ever made. Like that is the, right. one of the most lucky stories ever in filmmaking. Is I maxed out twenty eight thousand dollars worth of credit cards, and that was the budget. It, in that movie has has the same things of like that's a weird script choice or. It's focused mm-hmm. on one thing, and it there's plenty of things that don't work, but, you know, these directors, you know, not always make the smart choices, is what I guess I'm trying to say, is they go with this, this might be my last movie. Um, I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna do it this weird way, because it feels right, um regardless of whether it's really good or not um and i get the the sense more of that in this with the ending than i even do with something like a big sick like a don't think twice where you know i i think burbigly is just pretentious enough he wants everything to be so perfect where that that's (laughs) a step in the other direction like i'm not gonna have anything really crazy in it but like even that had elements of of that doesn't seem necessarily believable they all buy a studio in the end and they're going to do comedy there and they're all there as friends like that's not how that led up right at the end with what we last saw um it might be done cleaner but you know something i think about with smaller directors i think where it's just like this is my last will and testament maybe ever in movies right you make that choice yeah whether it's good whether it's good is is (laughs) is not what i'm saying i'm saying that that is something to think about yeah and i like the the concept of like you know indie movies are so hard to make you're running on a shoestring budget you might it might get sold it might not you know the the clerk's comparison which is great it's like he makes it for so little money, and he is. He got lucky that Miramax is like, we'll yeah. buy that and distribute it. And then it makes ten times its budget, which is not hard to do when it's 
that small of a budget, but yeah. that was enough to make it a success. And people were, and it's also the early '90s where indies were really a big popular thing. Yeah, um, where it's like, oh man, this is so fresh and different and new. And somewhere since 2000, I'm not sure when exactly, indie movies became more quirky. Yeah. In the 2000s, I feel like now they're less quirk and more like, let's just keep it small. I think might be more of what we're looking partially, at now. Partially, um, I don't know. No, I, I, I think that's true. In, in some indie movies is hard because, you know, again, talking with the idea of Oscar season and all of those are technically indie movies, quote unquote. Right. Um, is hard but like even in early 2000s you know indie movies were still going strong i i I would say what was considered an indie movie back then would number one be a big budget movie now Uh, because like what goodness best-selling indie movie of all time for for a while at least was my big fat greek wedding right is so much different than this movie it's it yeah like it's personal ish but it feels well, way more impersonal than a movie like this or a paddleton or right and that's where the whatever. term even indie indie falls apart as a term because yeah. you know an independent film might just be something like i paid for this and shot this outside of the studio system therefore it's an indie film like mel yeah. gibson paid for the production of passion of the christ himself um, yeah. but that was still a multi-million dollar production. Well, so yeah. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's the, the, the term indie is so weird that well, it doesn't well, quite yeah. fit, but I know what you're saying. Um, well, yeah, but the, the terms we, we say for indie, like, like my big fat Greek lens wedding is this novelty story. You know, it's just like, it is yeah. this personal story of heritage, but even that in style is so different from what we have now in indie movie, yeah. where it's, it's not this focused thing. It it tries to act like a big budget rom com, mm-hmm. you know, and and it purely is budget. Whereas now, to to be indie is more like this, where it's just like this movie, you know, sort of trust because that is what we are talking about, not just indie in the film industry, uh, <laughs> but like uh, sort of trust, you know. It doesn't necessarily feel like a movie. That's how it felt today watching it. It it feels like a three-part miniseries <laughs> of just like, it's an hour and a half and here's the three episodes we could make. Yeah. It, and it it is a movie in that sense, but, you know, a lot of the acting, a lot of the comedy feels more like that, you know, because it... It isn't so much concerned with, okay, we're bringing you to this giant climax, okay, and this is where we rope the audience in. It's just, it is this continuous slice of life thing, like like a lot of the really indie movies that exist are, because, again, I think that comes from scripts, from budgets, from, from all of those things, it, and yeah. just, it is the medium to tell a personal story mm-hmm. um, which is is a great thing but definitely makes it more clunky <laughs> in, in yeah. some er- in some areas so I'm done ranting you go ahead 
I got nothing else, so I'm ready for ratings. All right, cool. To the ratings! All right. Um, I've been on a bit of a roller coaster with how I've been thinking about this movie. Because um, I had one thought when I finished watching it. And then I was digging around on Letterboxd, and I saw that you had a rating, which I guess is from one of the first times you saw it. And I was like, oh, dang. Slade went, like, real low on this. It did. I think I'm going higher than Slade was. And then this conversation, I'm like, no, no, it seems like he's definitely going to end up going higher than me. I think. I don't know. Maybe. Um, this movie, we'll see. This movie is, it's, it's fine. Um, it is, uh, mostly, I've said this a couple of times now, I, I love the concept. I think the concept is fun and funny and interesting and prescient. And there's a lot to get into about today's conspiracy theory culture, I think is great. Um, I think that I would have loved even a little bit more playing with that, but maybe not too much more because I think it balances that very well. Um, like I said, the, the conversation between ghosts and flat earthers um, is just perfect. It's just like cherry on top for that topic. I love it. Um, the humor's fine. It's just there's not a ton of it for me um, or what is there. It's like I can see why it eh, doesn't work for me uh, what we haven't talked about is, and, and it's another thing I actually really like, I liked the very, very final scene when <clears throat> Mel goes and pays for the repairs for Deirdre's car so she can go back to work, where he kind of gives her the benefit of the doubt, pays for the car, drops off a bag of groceries at her doorstep. Um, I was a little annoyed because I'm pretty sure I saw a crate of eggs on top and he just left that out in the sun. I was like, dude, don't do that. Knock on the door. But anyway, that's a small thing. But I like the sentiment of it. Like, he doesn't make up with her, but he does his side of things. Like, this is something she deserves. Now, again, how he got to that point, still a little shaky. I know he got called out for you still love her and maybe there's something about this near-death experience that he had. He's like, I better just do what I can do. Um, but I did like that moment of fix the car, here's a bag of groceries, I'm not going to talk to you, I'm just going to walk away and move on with stuff, and, and I really like that for an ending. But uh, it's it's a movie that I don't really care to tell anyone to watch it, ever. <laughs> um, and I think it does lose its way. I think some of our conversation... <laughs> <laughs> Might have actually brought it down a little bit more than where it was. Um, it's all right. That's all right. Yeah, I just, I, I, I don't, indie film or not, there's some things that are writing issues um, that I think could be fixed in this to make it really cool. And it, it's just, it's not there. So I'm going two stars. Wow. Uh, yeah, no, I, I did go up with it since my initial watch when it first came out because I had it at two stars. No, because I, I was very disappointed when I saw it, I'm like, this movie got so much hype, and I don't know. Watching it twice recently now, uh, I think this is a movie you have to watch more than once, which can be a failing, for sure. Um, and also, you know, not seeing it in a theater. I think seeing this in a theater for an initial experience just helps focus you so much more. Um, probably on, on what's what's happening like dialogue um you know i think i said it maybe at the top if i did i'm saying it now like lynn shelton 
you know, wrote the character of Mel specifically for Mark Marin for this movie. Um, Makes sense. <laughs> no, it does. And, and you know, uh, you know, Mark Marin is not an actor. He freely admits that. Um, and the parts he takes, you know, are either playing himself on IFC, um, which works really well, uh, you know, especially towards its yeah. later seasons. But, you know, there is a thing about him, and it's what makes Glow charming, and pretty much anything he's been doing recently is he knows what role he will fit best in, and this is one yeah. of them. Uh, I mean, I, I think every side character is really funny in this movie and it works out really well for me the actual really great moments are mark maron's moments his first conversation with deidre his talk in in the van and, and you know just the end scenes with him getting mm -hmm. those groceries are just so well done i think and in speaks to some of his acting ability uh, um you know and i'm a mark maron fan and there's just something about his beard his hair <laughs> <laughs> which which is amplified by his acting i don't want to just say like he just looks kind of sad and downtrodden you know he does but yeah he but he has he does have those experiences that his character has which makes sense you know besides the fact that it's like he is from new mexico you know again speaking to that it was written for him but the drug experience so those scenes you know where he's really called on and it's very subtle you know even the first conversation with deidre it's not him being mark maron or what people think of mark maron which is the more loud boisterous angry old man or snarky like he is when he gets held at screwdriver point you know it's none of that. It is this kind of really awesome acting coming through. Um, I think the concepts of the movie are great. I think they play out very well. They're fun to ponder. <clears throat> um, you know, and we didn't mention it mainly because I didn't think we'd have much to say except that I really like it. And maybe you don't. Uh, I think the soundtrack is really awesome. And it's Mark Marin doing the soundtrack. It's all his guitar playing throughout. So I wondered if that was him because it, it seemed <laughs> like I mean it fit really well and it, yeah. I think it fits him really well it, too. Yeah, and it's again, good. It, it it it's just it's a movie that plays so well to its lead's strengths. Yeah, <laughs> that I think the end product is is charming. It's it's interesting. Um, oh gosh, I don't know what I'll put on the letter box. Finally. For this conversation, I'm gonna say three and a half stars. I, I bumped it I bumped it up a star and a half. That's a big bump. Um, it yeah. is a big bump. Um but I, I just found it very enjoyable. Again, it tickles my funny bone um quite quite a bit. Um and those moments of sincerity are really, really good. Um Yeah. <clears throat> you know. So Yeah. Cool. Works for me. Uh, what are we, Works for me. What are we going to watch Oh, next? we're going to watch a weird one next time. Oh, we're going weird. real quick, oh. real quick. This is our second Mark Maron movie. Yes, I knew you would say that. Almost Famous, he's yelling and running. 
down the it's, it's tunnel. It's the intro thing, right? to WTF. It's from yep. Almost Famous. But anyway, yep. it is our second Mark Mary movie. Just like uh, starting to double up on all these people now. It's crazy. You, we we are <laughs> that's, double Jack that's Chan, why I double Mark Maron. I'm like, who who is an extra, uncredited in one of our movies oh, who man. I can now have us as a star. That would have been way um, since more we've fun now to done try. it twice. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that's not what I was planning. We're gonna do something oh, thank super God. weird. What? What? <clears throat> super weird. Oh boy. Streaming on Netflix. Oh boy. I lost my body. Okay, I have never heard of this. Yep, it's called so... I Lost My Body. It's on Netflix. Um, that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> I'm really curious to see it. I have no idea. I haven't seen it at all. Um, I heard somebody mention it like a couple a year or two ago as like a pretty high up on their list of best films of a year, whichever year it came out. I don't remember. Um, but it's going to be weird. Okay. Yep. I lost my body. That's all I got. Thank you so much for listening to everybody. <laughs> to us, everybody. Oh man. We'll be back uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll be starting working again doing our teaching thing so hopefully we keep up on a somewhat decent schedule though it's about to get crazy for us probably in our outside the podcast life but we are appreciative of you being here thank you so much um and until next time farewell good people uh don't stop to talk after you walk out of the theater or your living or the bathroom if you're streaming on your phone whatever you do you doodles